Hello and welcome to the Fit Professional Podcast. Brett Campbell here and today I have a very special guest hailing all the way from the other side of the planet. Oh, the world, not the planet, but um, yeah, you get the picture. We've got another uh, fantastic guy called Vinny Totorich. Um, I hope I got your last name right there, buddy, um, but you'll be able to correct me in a moment if I was wrong. <laughs> I was stressing out about that a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, Vinny, so Vinny's a, um, been in the fitness industry for uh, a little over 30 years. Um, he's made his first self-published book um, called Fitness Confidential, um, and that was actually just up um, for one of the um, major awards um, in the Audible, um, the audio books. Um, Vinny will be able to tell us all about that in a moment. Um, he also runs an extremely popular uh, podcast called America's Angriest Trainer, um, so we'll certainly ask him about that. Um, and the podcast gets over 350,000 downloads um, per month. Um, so he's got his finger on the pulse, um, and also Vinny, in his own words, says he keeps chicks on the red carpet. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that as well. So Vinny, thank you very much, and welcome to the Fit Professional Podcast. Uh, Brad, you know, it, the one question everyone asks me whenever I come on is how to pronounce Tortorich. And you were the, I think, you know, you and I started chatting before we went on, and that's the one question we got away from, and you didn't ask. But everyone was, <laughs> it was so odd. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> but it is torture. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. And um, I guess, Vinny, you know, first of all, there's a few few really key points there that I'd like to um, ask you myself. But um, to give the listener a bit of a background about yourself, um, mate, I'll, I'll hand the microphone over to you and, and give us a little bit of a background on, um, you know, your time in the industry um, and to, you know, what, what's happening now for Vinny. Okay, just to give you talk about that in fitness confidential. Uh, I've been in, in the gym my entire life. Uh, by the time I was uh, 16, I was running that gym uh, for my buddy, Joe Bonagon, who started the gym. Um, by the time I got to college on a football scholarship, um, I was totally into weightlifting, you know, just that, just the whole health and fitness field. So I got my degree and um, I, I was going for a, um, a degree in, in uh, physical therapy and ended up getting a degree in, uh, in uh, exercise physiology, and, and I have a PE degree. And uh, I started working with people long before the term trainer, and I'm doing air quotes right now, well, was a thing back in 1981 or 82. There were, there were a couple trainers around the country. I was one of the ones that were being talked about because there were so few of us. And I know that sounds crazy, but magazines and newspapers would call up and go, now, what do you do for a living? And the term trainer wasn't even really a thing yet. Um, but that's my background. In 1991, I uh, moved out to Los Angeles. And um, as you said, Brad, I, I, um, I got into the Hollywood crowd. I, I, I can't even explain how that happened. I don't know how it happened. But when I got in, I was able to do some good work right away. And I started getting known as the quick weight loss guy, which I, ne- I never liked that title. But, you know, it paid the bill, so I let the title go. <laughs> and uh, here I am. Um, 2014, uh, we did a self-published book. And the big boys, the big publishers got their own game. Um, Fitness Confidential has been a bestseller on Amazon uh, since it came out last July 2nd. And, yeah, I just got back from New York from a Black Friday event where my book was up for audible.com book of the year. Um, 
we're one of five, and uh, we did not win, but I was very honored that, you know, for a self-start book that had no dollars behind it, no advertising dollars whatsoever, uh, sold enough audible copies uh, to to actually be considered book of the year. Uh, but that's uh, that's my entire story. I'm going to hand the mic back. Okay, so excellent there, Vinny. Um, I know you, you said your book was uh, one of the top five, actually, and how, how I heard about that was um, another guy, you know, Eric Thomas, his book was up there as well. Um, and I'm sure, you know, both fantastic books. But, you know, the great thing about that is, um, you know, I bet you if you were to wave the magic wand a couple of years ago, you know, when, when you first started, you know, writing or writing this book, you probably never would have thought you could have made it to that particular um, level, you know, like you're talking about the best books in the world. So let's talk about Fitness Confidential because um, I know you were telling me a little bit about it um, before the show and look, it's really intriguing. So give us a bit of a background on, you know, what is Fitness Confidential about and why did you write it? Yeah, well, the why I wrote it was, you know, I didn't want to write a book. I know everyone wants to write a book. I had written a children's book years ago that was uh, successful in the children's book genre. And I know the ins and outs of writing books. And, you know, when my buddy Dean Laurie, Dean Laurie's a Hollywood writer-producer who has written uh, maybe six or seven books in his life, but he's more or less a TV and movie writer. Um, uh, probably the most notable thing he's uh, been on uh, has been um, um, Arrested Development. Uh, he, he had a show called My Wife and Kids. Uh, he wrote Major Pain. He wrote uh, one of the Friday the 13th movies that... So the guy knows his way around writing, and he kept telling me, you really need to write down you know, your story, because I almost died in 2007 uh, from leukemia, and Dean said, you can't, you know, Dean has known about my work in the Hollywood community for all these years, and he said, you can't die and not let this stuff out there. And, uh, you know, Dean and I have a scotch, you know, every Friday night, and, uh, he would talk to me every week and go, you know, you really have to start writing. And he was the impetus of me writing. Uh, he did agree to sit down with me. Um, and we, we sat in the same room every day for six months, uh, three hours a day, to come up with the best book we could come up with. Yeah, that's fantastic. So to give us a little bit of a background about, um, you know, what, what the book's about and who does it really appeal to? Because I know it's it's making some waves and, and uh, getting some people's feathers ruffled. So, yeah, you, you know, um, it, it, well, first of all, the book industry didn't want to touch it because they said they had never seen a fitness book like this before because it, it doesn't teach you how to lose, you know, 10 pounds in 10 days or get, you know, washboard abs and all the other stuff that all of the other books guarantee. You know, there is no guarantee on this book. And, you know, I literally get cards and letters from people. I say cards and letters, but that I'm, I'm so old that that's what I say. I, you know, I get emails by the hundreds every day. And you would be shocked at how many of them come from either trainers from around the world or gym owners, guys that do not own big box gyms, but they own like, you know, Johnny's Health Club or, you know, or, or, or the kind of gym that trainers go to and, and whatnot. And um, they appreciate the book because they're all saying it's the book everyone should read. Um, because I, I really do pull my punches. And, I, you know, I know you're in Australia, and we have a big, you know, audience in Australia. Um, and Australians love me because I, I don't know how to pull a punch. I just say, here are the facts. Here's what's going on. Here's how we can fix it. Um, it's the only book that tells you how to negotiate 
when you go into the health club because I, I, I liken those things to used car lots, you know. Um, when you go in the used car lot, at least if you put your money up, you get to leave with a car. When you go to a gym and you put your money up, you still have nothing. You still have to go to the gym to make it work, you know. So we explain that in the book. Uh, and so many people appreciate that approach. You know, we, we try to give them tools to, you know, we tell them what the best piece of fitness equipment in the world is. In my opinion, it's a jump rope because, you know, you get everything done with one piece of equipment and you can make it yourself. Um, but when you, excuse me, when you hear those kind of stories, you know, it makes you kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, this is, you know, this is a real thing and this is something I can get behind. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with you there. It's the, um, you know, there's it's the unknown with gyms and those types of things because there's so many, um, I guess you, you look at the majority of the major gym chains, they actually bank on, you know, over 30% of their members not turning up to the gym because they couldn't hold the capacity of, of members going in there. So it's, so it's good refreshing to know that, um, you know, there's there's some information out there for people to be able to look at and, and I guess get another, you know, perspective on on how these things work so let's let's stay on to the book for a moment and what made you um you know number one calling it fitness confidential well where did that come from you know we thought of it you know there was a great book out there um called um kitchen confidential written by anthony bourdain and when we finished the book you know dean and i we did all the editing and everything ourselves we, we hired an editor at the end but we you know we kept going through the book we we took my notes. I, I had written 40,000 words of notes, and we fleshed it out to maybe 110,000 words, and then we whittled it back. That's why people love the book. It's a page-turner. Um, we whittled it down to, like, I think 70 or 71,000 words, and we didn't leave any fluff in there. You get exactly what you need to get. And, um, and, and by the way, when you hear page-turner in fitness book, it usually doesn't go hand-in-hand. I was telling you that, and I lost I lost control of the question. The original. Can you give me the? Question? Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> um, I was just talking about where did the the name come from? So you're saying there's okay, a book. Yeah, the, so the name, you know, since we wrote this kind of book and we read through it, and it reminds us of uh, of Anthony Bourdain's book. You know, we decided, hey, his book was Kitchen Confidential. It did great with that name. Why not go with Fitness Confidential because it's the same kind of book where. We talk about the nasty underbelly of the fitness world and how, you know, the end consumer can do better because of it. Um, so it kind of came out of that name. And by the way, that was something else the publishers wouldn't take. They said even if they took the book, they would never call it Fitness Confidential because it was too close to Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. Mm. But um, that's interesting, isn't it? Because let, let's talk about that for a moment and and – I guess for, for the personal or for the fitness professional who, you know, the majority of our listeners here on the show and, you know, what would you say to them or what would your piece of advice be to initially if they, you know, they're sitting there and they're like, well, I've, I've got a book that I want to write, but I don't know, you know, which path do I need to take? Where do I even start when it comes to writing your own book? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. And you know what, Brett, I wish more people would ask that question. Yeah, no one asks that question, but now, the first thing you do is to know if you have a book in you. You know, it's one thing to be sitting over, you know, beer and going, hey, I can write about this and hey, I can write about that. But, you know, the first thing you, you have to talk about a subject that you intimately know everything about. 
And it has to be, you know, people want knowledge. Uh, the second thing you have to do is write a crazy amount of notes. You know, you can sit there and go, hey, I can write a book and I can talk about, you know, jazzercise or I can talk about how to use straps and I, I can talk about ball exercises. But can you really fill an entire book with that stuff? You know, you know, but if you start writing notes and you have enough notes to where you can formulate it into a conversation, if you will, um, especially if you know everything about that subject, if you know everything about using straps or everything about high-intensity interval training, you know, start with the basics, write the notes, and then start fleshing those notes out. Never think about the book. Never think of the end product. Just get the information first. You can always look at the end product later. So in regards to that, would you, because I mean, I've, I've heard from several different people, obviously who have written books before, and I suppose there's, you know, there's many different ways to go about it. So what you're saying is, is just get ruthless on note taking and, and um, before you've even created, I guess, a structure of the book, like would you, would you map out the, the contents of what type of things you want in the book first, or would you just get crazy on those notes? You could map it out, uh, and from mapping it out, you will start coming up with notes. So you'll literally have yeah. two things going on at once. You know, you'll have the structure of the book, which is great. Uh, we kind of, you know, took my notes and created a structure out of the notes. So that could be kind of backwards. Um, and, and but it's what we did. Um, I decided just to write the notes, you know, just get everything down, just, yep. you know, puke it all on paper. And uh, I literally wrote it on paper, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and then I would punch it into my computer. Always have something to write on. I tell that to everyone. If you're going to write a book, always, always, always have something to write on. Uh, I saved all of my pieces of paper um, that I wrote on. And I literally have old envelopes that I found on the ground. I have... Um, <clears throat> Um, labels on wine bottles that I wrote notes on. I have toilet paper. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, just go out and buy some five by seven cards and just carry them with you. Mm. And when these thoughts come in your head, just write them down, and then get it to fit into your structure. Excellent. So, in regards to writing the book, now there's obviously going to be times where. Um, you know, it's not going to all go smooth sailing, and and with that, you would have learnt a, f a few big lessons in producing your book. So, what would what are the biggest lessons that you could save us time on um, for the person out there who's looking to write their own book? What could, what can you could suggest for us there? Well, if you're going to go the self-published route, which is I, I would suggest to everyone, because you get to control everything, and uh, yeah, um, I I would say, um, you know. If you go to self-published route, you're okay. If not, I wouldn't write an entire book if you're going out to publishers because they're going to want to rewrite the book anyway. They're going to want it to be their book. But if you can go to them with um, some sort of synopsis, so you don't really have to write the whole book, but if you can do the outline, the structure, and then go to those guys, um, you have a much, uh, a much better chance. If you write the whole book and it's something they don't like, then they'll just move on to the next book. Um, case in point, you know, when we were in New York, Dean and I took meetings with probably three or four of the top publishers. You know, we figured we were there and they wanted to meet us. And um, we just went in with the idea of the second book. And funny enough, they came back to us. Uh, two of the three have already come back with uh, nice six-figure offers. We've turned both of those uh, offers down because 
they didn't quite understand that we really made way more than they were offering us on the first book by ourselves. Mm. That's why I would suggest to anyone to self-publish. Uh, the other thing, if you're going to self-publish, is you have to get some kind of web presence going. Uh, I had zero web presence, even after the book was written. Um, so I took a whole year before the book came out and started the Angriest Trainer podcast and built up an audience. Uh, when the book came out, I guess we had between 125 and 150,000 downloads a month, which was enough to get those people to you know, go out and buy the book. Mm -hmm. And then that started the train. And now you have the book pushing the podcast and the podcast pushing the book. And it just became this kind of perfect storm for us. Uh, but go back to what I said at the beginning. Always, 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 if you're going to go out to publishers, don't worry about writing the whole book. Just get the bones. Mm -hmm. If you have the bones, they will decide whether they want it or not. Excellent. So a question with self-publishing. Let's say you know, you've got your notes together. Um, and would you suggest if you're self-publishing, you obviously you want to write the, the, the book out in full, and then who, who do you go and see for self-publishing? or What's the scenario around that? What generally happens? That's a really good question. We did it, we did it all ourselves, um, hiring different people. Um, I know their company, you know, they call them vanity presses. And, mm -hmm. um, those things that, you know, you kind of hand them your script and they'll go and literally, if you're selling the book for 10, 12 bucks, they will literally take most of the money and you get like a dollar or two per book. We did not go that route. Um, we decided to, you know, we wrote the book and, you know, we're both writers. So we, we did a lot of the, you know, we made the book exactly the way we wanted it. And then we started hiring people. And this is the important thing. Um, we, we literally hired one of the um, editors that edits for HarperCollins and for Simon & Schuster. The, these people work for a lot of different companies. And we let that guy edit the book. The one thing that people get screwed up with, Brett, is they feel like, oh, I know how to spell. I know how to do sentence structure. I don't need to spend that 1500 or $2,000 <laughs> to get someone to edit. Yes, you do. Trust me, you do. Um, the other thing we did, we went to a company called Telemachus Press. And anyone can go to this company. As a matter of fact, we learned about the company from reading a book written by John Locke, who sold, I think, a million books in five months. Now, of course, he, he was selling, you know, fiction books, but he was selling, and he was also selling them for 99 cents. But, you know, and we, we sold a full-price book. But we took a lot of advice from him. We saw the name Telemachus in his book. We went there. We talked to those people. And he, this is so important. Our book came out on every form of electronics that is available anytime, meaning Nook, Kindle, BarnesandNoble.com, um, you know, every type of ebook you can do. Uh, and also a, a print on demand. And of course, I read the audio, the audio book myself. Now, take that. Most people would go, okay, that's six grand. Maybe we spent 4,500. I can't remember. We spent maybe 4,500 to six grand on getting that book formatted for every different type of electronic that existed, including print on demand. Now, why is that important? It's important because people want to get it the way they want to get it. Mm -hmm. 
and we don't want to have anyone say, well, he doesn't do BarnesandNoble.com, so I won't do that. You have to get your book formatted every which way it can be formatted, and that costs a lot of money, um, but do it. So that's the second piece of advice. Um, the third thing is if you really believe in your product, do an audible.com. Now, they'll tell you that you know most people don't sell a lot of audible books, but I can tell you for us, since we have a podcast and people want to hear the voice, mm. they will buy the book. So when it comes to audible.com, so let's say you've got your book, um, how do you go about, do you just you know, go to Audible and what, you, you submit an audio or how does that work? Um, the way we did it was I found a guy who literally records for audible.com. Now, this is kind of hoity-toity because I live in LA and you can find those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can find someone somewhere who has a sound studio, and you can go in and record your own book. Um, we used me as the voice because it was, you know, it was done in my voice. It would have been odd if we had someone else do mm -hmm. my voice, especially since people were used to the podcast. Uh, I think we only spent like fifteen hundred bucks on that guy to do the audio, and then Audible.com has a a grouping under its system called ACX. ACX is for the non-publisher, you know, the self-publisher guys, guys mm -hmm. like me, um, which is kind of cute and funny because an ACX book beat all the other books this year, <laughs> which all came from, you know, publishers. Um, so that's the other piece of good information. There is a place for you to go at audible.com it's called ACX and and it covers it covers everything that Audible covers you're you're like any other book you don't look any different um, the other thing i would tell people besides the audible thing just skipping back a little bit uh, we did the cover of the book i don't know if you've seen the cover of the book but that cover would not have ever been approved by anyone <laughs> I mean, i'm a 51 year old italian guy on the cover of my own book screaming and I'm naked. You know, in what other world can you get away with that? Yeah, yeah, Th those books generally come with plastic wrapped around them, those ones. <laughs> well, you can't see that, as uh, Serena would say, the bits and pieces. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah, th there's a naked old Italian man on the cover of the book. Yeah. There's not one one book company who would have put that cover on the book. No. No, you'll certainly grab the attention, which, you know, again, when it comes to, there's a whole psychology behind the title of a book and the um, the cover of a book. So, you know, it's certainly, um, you know, I wonder if people are just buying it just because of the cover, you know, is it <laughs> is it about the content or is it because it's you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think some people, you know, might look at it. You know, it will certainly, when you're looking at fitness books and you see that cover, it, it will catch your eye, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, because the picture is really close up. It's kind of a dark kind of background. You don't know where this guy is. And uh, it, you know, it, then the title is right there, Fitness Confidential. And, um, you know, get, get fit, get the dirt, you know. And people love that. Excellent. Um, look, I, I just want to take a moment for all the listeners out there who are listening because Vinny's just really dropped some, um, some amazing, you know, knowledge there that can really – and I've been taking notes myself um, – and I'll certainly be following up with you, Vinny, on another another call because I'm actually going through the process of creating uh, my first book as well. Um, but something you did say there that popped out, and this is something that I'm uh, I'm a 
big candidate on, regardless um, whether you're looking to, to create a book or an online product or service um, or e even running your business. And you said that you need to have a web presence. Now, again, couldn't agree with you more on that because at the end of the day, you, your book could be the best book ever, but no one's ever going to read it if there's no presence. So let's talk about that for a moment and go, you've created a podcast, America's Angriest Trainer. How, how have you been able to get so many downloads? What's what's your what's the uh, the scenario or the secrets around that? You know, I, that's probably the biggest question I get. You know, nowadays I literally do more um, business podcasts than I actually do. You know, like I, uh -huh. I probably do 10, 12 podcasts a week, may, maybe even fifteen uh, of other people's show, not my show. Uh, shows like this, and literally most of them now are business podcasts. And the you know the one catchphrase I will hand out, and then I'll tell you every secret that I know. <laughs> um, the the biggest thing that I throw out there is there is nothing passive about passive income, at all. Um, uh, people that read the book will see that I'm an ultra athlete, and when you're an ultra athlete, you're a guy who doesn't know how to stop. Um, literally, that's what it takes. Uh, I, I'll take you back a bit when. When uh, Dean's agent first thought, read the book and thought it was a great book, the reason that agent didn't take it on was because they said, you know, we Googled Vinny, and absolutely no one knows who Vinny is. Um, his name doesn't even appear in Google. As a matter of fact, it appeared that if you went to Google, it, it would take you to a hacked site of a blog I used to do, and it said, Hacked by the Devil, and it was a big cartoon picture of a devil. So you can only imagine... You know, that I had no presence other than I was hacked by the devil. And Dean said to me, you need to go back on the Internet and start blogging again. And I had no, I just didn't want to do it. I, there was no way I was going to do it. And I set up a new site, a simple WordPress site. I didn't do anything fancy. Went to WordPress, got the, you know, just the, the blank thing and started writing again. And about three or four blogs in, I was talking to my nephew. And I said, you know, Dean wants me to do this again. It's the only way we'll sell this book. This could take eons. I don't want to do it. And he said, why don't you do a podcast? And I said, great. Well, what's a podcast? <laughs> and he said, well, it, you know, he goes, when I was a kid, you were in New Orleans and you had a radio show called Talking Fitness. You could do that on the Internet. And I was like, really? You mean, like, people are going to listen? He goes, well, I don't know. I said, well, how do you advertise it? He goes, I don't know. He goes, I know I listen to them and I love them. So literally without ever hearing a podcast, I called my friend Anna Bettino and I said, Anna, you know, do you know anything about podcasts? And she goes, well, I don't know a whole lot. You know, my husband and I did one. We did like 10 shows and, you know, they're up there. I said, can you help me do a couple? And she said, sure. So I went, you know, she's a voiceover professional. My, my co-host has an incredible voice. Mm. I went over to her studio, and she said, do you know what you're going to talk about? I said, yeah, it's fitness. It's, it's what I do every day. And we literally sat there on day one and did five shows all back to back to back. And so we did five hours of podcasting, and she said, how did you come up with all that information? You don't have a sheet of paper in front of you. I said, Listen, honey, I'm dancing for my dinner right now. I'm trying to sell a book. <laughs> and the way I feel is, 
if someone wants to listen to one of my shows, I don't want them to have to wait two or three weeks to hear another show. So I gave them five all at once. And then I went on to do three a week for, you know, almost uh, a year uh, to where now we're at, right at the two-year mark right now. And we, we've we done close to 300, like 280 shows. I think 275 of them are up. But that's that's me. That's what I do. I, I just take something and just keep running with it. Excellent. And uh, congratulations on the 280 shows because I know that, um, you know, majority of podcasts, I can't remember the statistics, I mean like 70% of podcasts don't make it past their first five shows. So um, <laughs> you're, you're up to 280. So let's, let's look at that then. And, and um, I know that you mentioned there you, had, you have a, um, a co-host um, and that you talk, you know, talk fitness. What, what, what are some of the things that you talk about on your show? Like give us a few examples of some ideas that you might, you might chat about. You know, at first, it was just me talking to Anna. And the cool thing about that was Anna knows nothing about fitness. So she would ask the general questions. And by the way, this wasn't planned. I was using Anna because she had a great voice and she had a studio. Mm. But she was a girl that was also interested in learning how to get in shape. So the shows became really organic at first. And, um, you know, people were buying into that. And then uh, some people figured out that I was an ultra athlete, so triathletes started paying attention and, you know, started talking within their communities. Hey, have you heard this guy? He knows how to go long and, you know, you should listen to him. And he's talking about, you know, these wacky diets he uses to be when he's on the bike and, you know, so that really helped. But then somewhere around the first year, even before that, I think in the eighth or ninth month, Gary Taubes of, you know, the, the uh, good calorie, bad calorie, and uh, why we get fat and what to do about it, he came on the show. So that started legitimizing the show that people like, you know, Gary Taubes, you know, New York Times bestseller writer would come on. Mm. And then, you know, um, we had celebrities come on. Like Howie Mandel came on. Um, Many Driver came on the show. And that started giving us more you know, legitimacy. And um, from there, we've had... You know, Dr. Timothy Noakes has been on twice, and he'll come on at any time. Uh, Dr. Westman has been on. Uh, Peter Atia. Uh, Dr. Perlmutter of Grain Brain has been on. Uh, Kate Shanahan. Uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan. So now we, we have literally, we're littered with doctors, all, all of these noted authorities from around the world. You know, um, Dr. Terry Walls from the Walls Protocol is coming on. Uh, I think the Wheat Belly guy is coming on at some point. Literally, we couldn't beg these people to come on in the first year. Mm. And now they just line up to be on the show because they figured out that my show sells books. So they all show up. <laughs> Fantastic. And I, I just want to really hammer home a couple of key points there because you don't get to 280 um, episodes without, like you said, a lot of hard work. And, and you know, you said you, you started with five episodes and you're doing three episodes per week, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a... Um, Definitely a commitment there. So, at what stage um, did you really feel that, that the podcast was was the method of, of getting out to the uh, to the world for yourself? Like, when did you like that light bulb go off and go, "Yep, this is definitely the modality that we're gonna we're gonna keep pursuing." Um, wow, uh, that that's an interesting question because that you know it was tough to keep. You know, Anna was sitting there working for free. You know, she does this for a living. And I'm looking at this woman every week going, she is literally working for free. I don't, 
you know, I don't have a dime to give her. You know, I could start pulling money out of my pocket, but she wouldn't have that. And, you know, we didn't know what to do. And one day I got a phone call from this woman who told me, do you know who Adam Carolla is in your country? No, it doesn't ring a bell to me. Okay, Adam Carolla is probably the top podcast or one of the top podcasts. He, he was a big deal here in this country. Um, he and Jimmy Kimmel used to have a show called The Man Show. Oh, yeah. And he was on radio here for with Dr. Drew for years. They had a show called Love Line. So he has probably the biggest podcast in the world. And a woman from his show called me up one day and said, um, you know, we're paying attention to you. What, do, what, what do, you know, what are your numbers? And I said, well, we have no idea what the numbers are because iTunes won't give us the numbers. We keep asking. She goes, no, idiot. You have to go to Lipson or someone else, and they, you know, you got to be hosted by them, and they'll count you. That's how backwards we were, by the way, Brad. We yeah. didn't even know about Lipson. Um, and I went, okay. And she goes, uh, if you know, if you're getting like, you know, ten thousand downloads. Uh, a day, that's a big deal. You know, and we're, okay. So we called Lipson and we got set up in Lipson and immediately we found out that we were getting, I don't know, 50 or 60,000 downloads a month. And we looked at that and we went, wait a minute. You know, people are, people are actually listening. Yeah. We, like we had no idea. Um, but by, by the way, do you know how many downloads you get? Do you, you keep track of that? Yeah, so I've, I've only really recently moved to Lipson, but we use Blueberry, another like another WordPress uh, plugin that jumps into the back end of our system. So, yeah, that, that was something that I guess I um, I got onto fairly quickly because I guess I'm that type of guy who I want to know. <laughs> I guess for me, you know, it's for me, it's there was that. And then the reason why I ask you that question of, you know, at, at what time throughout your podcast did, did you really have that light bulb go off? Because what can happen is, if um, you know, and I'm sure it's it's happened to you as well. But um, most podcasters I speak to is, you know, it can get sometimes it can get quite tiring in the regard of, um, you know, I need I want to make sure that my podcast is getting listened to by you know as many people as you possibly can. So when like when we first started our podcast, um, I run two podcasts, one of them to the fitness professionals and the other um, to our you know consumer um, who would call our fit chicks, um, our female um, base, and. Because my female base is, you know, much larger than my, my professional base, um, the, the Fit Check podcast was getting listened to by, you know, thousands and thousands of people a month versus the personal trainer, well, this particular podcast now, which gets listened to by about 5,000 trainers um, a month. So it's, it's a lot less in regards to um, our viewership. But, of course, the quality of, of people who are listening to this, um, you know, so people listening to this one right now, um, there'll be people out there guaranteed they'll go and take your information. And, and uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I get emails next week uh, when we publish this to, um, you know, to, to forward on to you as well, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, I guess the, the short answer to that is we certainly track and measure our statistics because, you know, obviously that's, um, you know, that's what will keep us doing the podcast, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, we we know what the numbers are. We don't track who they are. Uh, but, but you know, we do, you know, my show is, is explicit. Um, uh, they, they started, you know, I, I see on the Internet all the, all the time. They call me the uh, Howard Stern of Fitness Podcast, and, <laughs> which is kind of a long title. And, you know, I don't, you know, we weren't shooting for that. But Anna and I early on, 
we didn't think anyone was listening, so I would sit there and talk about her boobs the whole time, <laughs> and uh, because they're huge. And <laughs> at some point, you know, and she would throw out the c word because she's a chicken. She could do that, and you know, people were like, "Wow, it's like a dirty fitness podcast." And <laughs> it just became this thing, you know. You know that we we and once we became popular and we found out yeah at that time we had fifty thousand people and then mm. literally a month later we had like sixty two thousand and then you know we were like you think we'll ever get to a hundred and then we had a hundred thousand and you know we couldn't stop doing that kind of humor because everyone was expecting it yeah you know it was kind of so we still do it as a matter of fact I'm trying to have a uh, vagina weightlifting competition right now and I'm having <laughs> trouble finding women to come in to do competition. <laughs> but I have uh, spoken to uh, a comedian who knows a bunch of porn stars. So we're going to see if we can get a few of those girls in. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a good point there that, that you talked to there because if you knew that you were getting 100,000 listeners from day one, would you have continued in that? Like, would you have started in that fashion? Or I, I don't know. I, you know, that, that's a good question. Uh, I, I don't think... Um, if I was being really, really honest with myself, I might have even tried to put on like a radio voice. Yeah. Like, hey, everybody. <laughs> that kind of deal. Yeah, I was just on there just kind of goofing. We didn't even use pop filters or anything at the beginning. And, you know, I was and, you know, smacking into the mic and the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> we just didn't care. We still cough and sneeze and do all this part in the studio because we didn't think anyone was listening. Yeah. Um, Sometimes people would get annoyed by Anna tapping the keyboard while we do the show because she would write the show notes as I would go. And then that became like a thing when people started complaining about it, when more and more people came on, we would turn Anna's mic off whenever I'm speaking. And um, people got upset because they couldn't hear the tapping anymore. So it's amazing what people will hang on to. Mm. Some good lessons to take from that, though, is, you know, totally be yourself be unique and and don't you know for you i guess it was almost like a it was a lucky a lucky thing that you know allowed you to be as unique as you you are and and obviously you know you're going to create that culture of followers and clearly um you know you're doing something right over there with 350,000 downloads a month and i'm sure you'll be at half a million very shortly but um look Vinny, i I just want to um take a moment now and just you know thank you very much for taking your time out of your day to to get on our show and share so much valuable information um because I've, I've taken a lot from it myself and i'm really excited to get some of these things cranking now where can uh, our listeners find out um one give us uh where they can find out about your book um and also where they can uh, start listening to your podcast so far away okay um i have a um website, VinnieCarteris.com, that's V-I-N-N-I-E, T as in Tom, O-R, T again, O-R-I-C-H.com. You'll see the book Fitness Confidential there, or you can go straight to uh, Amazon and buy the book there, or Audible.com. You can do that. Uh, The podcast, if you go straight to iTunes, it's called The Angriest Trainer Podcast, so once again, you can put my name in there. Um, but um, 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 what else? Um, oh, by the way, it, Brett, yeah, contact me off the air, and I'll, I'll, you know, give you every bit of information we have. We'll email it all to you so that you can get your book going. And, uh, and, and if we can help you in any way, shape, or form, uh, I will help anyone self-publish over, you know, 
uh, going to a publisher where they take the lion's share of the money and you make nothing. Mm. I'll, I'll repay you with scotch. How's that? Uh, you know, you can, if you really want to repay me, get me on that chick podcast. Mate, you'll be. Uh, what, what am I doing talking to you when I could be talking to the chick? Yeah. You'll be on there. You'll be on there next. Please, I'm, I'm, I'm begging on the air. I'm still on the air. Yeah, we're still alive. We're still rocking. I'm begging. I need to do that chick podcast. I got something to talk to you about. Now he's scoping out for the uh, vagina weightlifting. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so what I'll do uh, to all our listeners out there, hope you've enjoyed the show today. All the um, show notes and links to to Vinny's book and so forth will be on the pod on the blog. Um, so head over to fiitprofessional.com.au and you'll be able to find it all there. Um, but Vinny, once again. Thank you so much. Um, that's a wrap. Have you got any famous last words for us? No, listen. The only thing I can say is if you have a dream, don't just dream. Wake up and do it. There you go. I love it. Thanks, mate.